Hello, and welcome back to the RPE Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Connor, and I'll be joined by Stephen Dan. The RPE Podcast is a show dedicated to talking about training, rehabilitation, and sports medicine in the musculoskeletal setting. This show is for all healthcare providers, including new and experienced strength and conditioning coaches, physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, and also students of any allied health profession who are interested in rehab and management of athletes and the general population. On the show, we aim to try and make sense of all of the evidence and present it in an easy and practical way that tries to bridge the gaps in each of our respective knowledge bases. We enjoy staying up to date with the evidence base, and as a result, we find new information all the time that we will look to pass on to you. One last thing, the views and opinions on this show are our own and should not be taken as healthcare advice. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the RPE podcast. My name is Connor, and uh, I'm joined today by Steve. How are you going, Steve? Not too bad. Thanks, Connor. Just getting over a uh, little bit of a cold. Yes, me too. Sorry to the listener if our voices are a little bit croaky or we sound a little bit stuffy today, but we're going to soldier on through. You are, you didn't get I sound sexy. <laughs> what, normally or just with this uh, ex- extra husk? Just with this extra husk. Oh, yes, Chris Cornell-like. Yep. That's what we want. How have you been? You didn't get hit too hard with it? No, it was like 24 hours. No, sweet. So, yeah, completely fine. Cool. So, today we are going to be covering a pretty relevant topic, a super relevant topic, and it's pretty much a principle that all you need to know when you are programming for people, uh, when you're rehabbing people, um, and that is energy systems, the different types, how they work, when we use them, how we need to use our knowledge of them when we're putting together a program for someone, whether that be performance or whether that be rehab. So, yeah, hopefully we can make it pretty interesting and make it relevant for people that you're going to see, um, whether in really acute phases or whether someone's like really far down the track in terms of rehab or strength and conditioning. So, first thing would be, We've got three energy systems in our body. First one we're going to talk about is the aerobic system. So, Steve, what is the aerobic system? What's its function and when do we use it? Cool. Thanks, Frank. So, um, the aerobic system, well, we're going in like aerobic. When you're thinking that, you're thinking air. So, oxygen, I guess, is, is what we're using um, in the mitochondria of the cell. So, you know, the old mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So, <laughs> The mitochondria, um, utilizing oxygen from our environment, um, from our respiration to create, uh, the energy. It's the highest, uh, yield, I guess, is the amount of energy that we get per kind of, uh, molecule of ATP and, um, that little ATP and oxygen kind of interaction there. And it's used in kind of very low, um, well, very low to moderate, um, energetically demanding tasks, um, the one thing that we have to remember here, though, is that all of these three energy systems that we're going to talk about are kind of always being used to some extent in any cellular process or in most cellular processes in most cells, um, but there'll be kind of a determination of which one's ratio is, is more prevalent depending on the task that we're doing and the energetic demands of that task. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is, if we're going to talk about the aerobic using the air, 
So we've got the air. What is the other fuel we need to make energy in the system? Um, so we've gone through, I just said that ATP stuff before we were talking about, so the old adenosine triphosphate. So um, basically that there being the energy currency, um, yeah, when we got the, the mitochondria doing its little job there with the oxygen moving in, that creates the energy that's required. That's about the best I got you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So this does this use like anything else, like muscle, like glycogen, or does it use like proteins or fats or anything like that to help to help yeah, work so it along? Mostly, mostly this is driven by like fat um, metabolism. So usually it's when you do like a, a test uh, that sees like or that determines how much energy you're um, I guess, or what energy storages you are using in your body to um, drive this metabolism, you usually find that the respiratory quotient for this, which is a fancy way of kind of saying how much kind of fat is being metabolized as to how much kind of carbohydrates is being metabolized, leans more in the direction of fat being metabolized when we're more aerobically um, working there, whereas when we're getting more into the uh like glycolytic processes, that's when we start to use more of our um, of our sugars, our glycogen stores, yep. carbohydrates. Cool. So, say we start exercise. How long does it take for this energy system to become the one that's used the most, the one that provides us with the most energy? So, I think uh, even a better question here is like uh, at what intensities, I guess. So, so you're looking like with this, I guess the time is going to be um, dictated to by the intensity at which you're going because you're not going to be able to, you know, go at 180% of your um, MAS or VOT max for, you know, 80 minutes. So this is all going to be like interrelated, the intensity and the time. So uh, things that work in, in sub aerobic threshold is usually about that 80% of your maximal aerobic speed or around about kind of 75, 80% of your VO2 max, which is just the maximal amount of oxygen um, consumption that you can provide being that being the, the main utilized um, energy system. So those efforts there can last for, you know, as long as basically you have the fuel substrates, mostly the fat to continue the metabolic processes to happen and that as long as your um, aerobic or um, cardiovascular system is efficient enough to be able to clear the byproducts of um, the uh, cellular products uh, of the cellular uh, metabolism quick enough that um, it's not building up and then um, creating peripheral fatigue, which is then going to make you um, go into those other energy systems. So usually this is things that you know are lasting anywhere from minutes to even hours. Mm-hmm. And in our daily life, as we're just walking around kind of thing. Yeah, cool. So if you're sitting on the couch, you're probably... This is the energy system that's providing you with all your energy. That's right. Three sets of ten, sit on the couch and Netflix and chill. <laughs> Netflix and chill might use a little bit more energy, I reckon. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you might be getting into some, uh, some ten-second efforts and creating phosphate. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. I was thinking more horror movie, but... <laughs> cool. See where we went there. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Okay. So after, so essentially we've had, we've done our bit of exercise. 
I don't know how long this lasts for. Let's just say we did it for 30 minutes. We used predominantly this energy system. What kind of, did we get any waste products from that? Like, do we have, how long does it take us to recover? What do we have to recover from after having used this energy system? So again, this energy system being the one that we're predominantly kind of going with, um, recovery, it depends on, again, the intensity of the effort. But if you've gone for 30 minutes and you were going at kind of a maximal rate by the end of that, you will have, um, like got to some cellular rate limiters where you will have started to use the other energy systems more and then um, you would be having to kind of get your heart rate or whatnot back down to, and which usually like a minute or two you could get it back down to the point where your aerobic system is caught up enough that it could kind of go again at a sub-maximal level. Um, but if you're really just chilling in the um, aerobic energy system, and you're not really driving into those other ones, well then, you know, provided you actually have the fuel sources available for it, you can kind of keep going for, that's why people can do these like ultra, super ultra marathons and those type of things. Um, but then they also need to have those big like food loading events pre and post um, those type of events, you know, which then they get a lot of other, um, I guess, muscle damage and those type of things from those events which have to recover, which all all our recovery uses our aerobic system anyway. So that's a hard one to answer in the fact of like how long will it take for the aerobic system to recover from an aerobic effort because um, it's all dependent on, I guess, the length of time of that aerobic effort. And if that aerobic effort got hard enough that you are building up the byproducts from some of those other energy systems. Yeah. I suppose if you, if you kind of bring it back to the stress recovery adaptation kind of curve, uh, depending on how much effort you put in relative to yourself, that's mm-hmm. gonna, that's gonna be how long it takes you to kind of recover. If you're used to doing something all the time, you're probably gonna recover quicker because it's not disrupting homeostasis. But if you're doing something out of the ordinary that's lasting a long time and it might take you a bit longer to recover, say like a, a super ultra marathon or something like that. And usually these, like from the aerobic system and the cardiovascular system, perspective of um like the um homeostatic kind of stress recovery relationships or stress recovery adaptation relationships or envelope function those systems themselves are usually not the rate limiter in them being able to go again usually it's the muscular you know the musculoskeletal system's ability to go again which your cardiovascular system is driving that whole recovery um, you know, your aerobic energy system is, is driving that whole recovery process. So all of your muscle rebuilding, all those um, anabolic processes are, are occurring at just regular baseline respiration as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably a good point to, to summarize all of the aerobic. So essentially, the aerobic system uses air, so you need oxygen to utilize it. It's the one we use predominantly at rest. It's the one that we can comfortably use for the longest. It's the one that also helps drive recovery and things like that. So that's going to be important, keeping those things in mind for when you're putting together programs and things like that. that I always say that you want to build the biggest, the biggest aerobic recovery kind of system tank that you can because it brings your ability to use all other energy systems and all other exercises the best. And it's, it's really good if you can use this in like a contrast training kind of thing where 
you just do you're not using aerobic energy training up at its like maximal like above the aerobic threshold because there you're not getting the biggest bang for buck for it um you're better to do you know make most your easy work easy so most aerobic training work should be easy because it's supposed to be in that zone that it's just enough to be you know your zone two cardio type things and three cardio just enough to be getting you kind of going but then um when you're kind of doing the harder stuff your hard stuff should be hard but then your recovery bouts you have that nice big base of being able to do stuff for a long time that you can get all those processes happening nice and efficiently cool so that leads us pretty well into the next kind of system which you would use at a higher intensity um so aerobic system pretty low intensity doesn't take much effort to get into doesn't take much effort to recover from essentially um What's the next system that we might have to reach into to get more energy um, if we need it faster? Cool. So we're going to our anaerobic systems here. Um, and our anaerobic system in general happens mostly the metabolism, mostly in the cytoplasm, a little bit in the mitochondria as well. Um, and this is going to be occurring um, with the mostly at the lack of oxygen. So there's no need for oxygen um, for these cellular processes to occur. Yep. Okay. So we are doing an activity that doesn't use doesn't need oxygen. Uh, so what is an example of something where we wouldn't need to rely on oxygen? Cool. And as we said before, like they're all going to be slightly Working, one or yeah. slightly the other. Yep. But yep. like looking at things that are lasting kind of Anywhere from on the very short end, we're going like some efforts that are like 10, 5, 10 seconds. That's using another part of this anaerobic kind of system, which is your ATP PC, which we'll talk about later. So your adenosine triphosphate, creatine phosphate system. Then we have our, um, so that's like a really short 5, you know, 10, 15 seconds. So your 100 meter kind of sprint work, you're not really going to be using a lot of oxygen for that because we need processes that occur um, they're very inefficient but they're very quick so those systems whereas that aerobic system that we talked about before is very efficient but because it's so efficient it doesn't want to waste a lot of energy a lot of the cellular processes that occur are very slow um, then we got like efforts that are taking kind of you know 15 to kind of 45 seconds so you know 200 to 400 meter runs um, those ones they're more so 400 meters to work, 400 meter hurdle. If you want to feel what, like getting into full, uh, lactate kind of, uh, anaerobic glycolysis is like, do 400 meter hurdles. Cause if that's can, probably the, the epitome of it. If you can do it in 45 seconds, well done. Like, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely taken me a lot longer than that. Yeah. 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 Yep. So that's, that's some pretty nasty work and that's, um, kind of lets you know the type of byproducts that you're going to build up from this really quick but super inefficient um, metabolism. Cool. So let's focus on that kind of system. Uh, I think we talk about that next. Yeah, we said that it goes from anywhere from 15 to 45 seconds. Um, again, what energy, like how does it make energy? What byproducts do we get? Why is this important for programming? Cool. So let's go down. We'll do the um, lactic version of it first so um the anaerobic glycolysis um in that you know the anaerobic um glycolysis or anaerobic energy system 
we split into the lactic and alactic. So the lactic part of it is what we're kind of using our um, glucose that's going around the blood, um, getting brought into the muscle um, to then create that uh, the energy that's that's required at a very kind of quick rate, but very inefficiently, and it creates a lot of kind of byproducts of lactate and hydrogen ions, which then once you kind of slow your metabolism down again, can get reused by the, the aerobic system. Yep. Okay. Um, and for training kind of purposes. Mm. So for training purposes, I guess we're looking at, um, oh, well, what do you want to know about the training? And then I'll go, go from there. So essentially, when would you, yeah, when would it be good or what kind of athletes would use this or what kind of, um, what like when you were rehabbing someone when would you take this into account like when would you want to train this system cool definitely so i guess it it all comes down to the needs analysis of whatever kind of sport and they're needing to get into so this type of work is super fatiguing work um anything that's above what's called your anaerobic um speed reserve or anaerobic threshold um has been shown that efforts above that if you have a very low aerobic base efforts above your anaerobic speed reserve are going to um, be more likely to uh, create like injuries for an athlete so if you know that your athlete has to um, do a lot of efforts up in that zone well then you're wanting to be working on two things you want to be building their aerobic base nice and big but then you're also wanting to do a lot of this anaerobic kind of work so you know you're doing work that's 30, 40 seconds on, kind of 15, 20, even 40 seconds off and just repeated bout to, to just build that. Um, I guess it, it really sucks and it really jams, yeah. but that's how you kind of build that aerobic energy, uh, the anaerobic um, lactic energy system. Yep. Yep. So definitely being a tennis player, I'm in the hurt locker with this quite a bit. Just one point that lasts a bit longer, you feel absolutely shattered by the end of it. It's you're doing it point after point after point. That's where well, that's the, that was the one thing I wanted to bring up actually with all of these systems. Like you know, we have three systems, but realistically, I almost class it as six because each system has both a capacity, which is just its long, slow ability to kind of go, or ability to kind of repeated go, and then power, which is its ability. What is its maximal kind of point that it can produce? The uh, most amount of energy that that it's going to be the predominant energy system so for our aerobic stuff capacity is what i was talking about building kind of underneath that aerobic threshold but aerobic power work is when we're working kind of at 100 percent of our vo2 max or our mas our maximal aerobic speed um and then or even a little bit above but just having recovery in between and same with our lactate um work that we were just talking about there we can have lactate capacity work which is kind of you're doing 45 seconds on but then giving them a whole 45 seconds to a minute off and then maybe even a little bit longer than another 45 second bout so you're intermittently kind of building up these metabolic byproducts but then also giving the aerobic energy system time to um kind of dissipate those products, get our heart rate and breathing rate back down the baseline, then build up all those byproducts, the lactate, hydrogen ions, etc. again, and then kind of dissipate all those again. So that's what we do with capacity work, uh, with power work, sorry. Um, but with our capacity work, that's when we're kind of doing these 
maybe 45 seconds out, building up a lot of lactate, 15 seconds, so you could just get a small bit of time to kind of reduce it, but then go again for another 45 seconds. And this is where we see if we do like blood um, tests and everything, we see like big, big lactate high levels of like 13 millimoles or, or more. And this is where we really can kind of um, make athletes robust if they are requiring that type of uh, work where they're like I work with squash players, they have nine second bouts in between um, matches uh, in between points. So they have to work really hard. They get nine seconds rest. They got to work hard again. So as part of their rehab, I have to make sure that I'm putting in stuff that's specific to that as well. Cool. So just before we kind of go any further, you mentioned lactate. So a lot of people will have heard of lactic acid before. Is this lactate and this lactic acid the same thing? Like people, when they're working hard, they're like, dude, my muscles are killing me. Like I can feel the lactic acid. Is that, yeah, I, is, is that what's going on? I let it pass. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's not, they're, they're two separate, um, things and the burn that we are feeling in our muscles is more from hydrogen ions. So proton that's kind of floating around as a byproduct of, of some of that, um, metabolism. What happens is actually we, we get lactate building up, but then we shuttle it off into our aerobic energy system um, through something called pyruvate, and that goes down all these other cool little um, processes in the electron transport chain. And um, yes, that goes off to help create energy to help us recover. So that lactic acid itself isn't the thing that's kind of causing that burn and, and isn't a bad lactate, isn't a bad thing. It's actually helping you uh, recover to get energy to go again. Yep. Yep. Cool. Thought we'd just think, yeah, clear that definitely. Yep. And I, I thought now as well because we might be losing some physios out there who'd be like, well, you know, this is really important for coaches or whatnot. But um, I was saying to you just off air with podcasts, but this type of stuff is actually really important as well in our really say acute like cardiac rehab or in our like chronic um, kind of cardiac and and interstitial lung diseases where you got something like if someone has left ventricular heart failure and they got really bad ejection fraction and they're unable to, um, you know, supply their muscles with the um, oxygen that's required, well, they're going to go very quickly into, um, when you're doing a bout of exercise, they're going to go very quickly into anaerobic glycolysis as a way to provide their energy. So you've got to think they're going to be feeling, you might be putting them through what you think is a six-minute walk test or, you know, some continued um zone one cardio that they're kind of going to be feeling like they're burning like they're running 400 meter hurdles and you're not going to be knowing why they're wanting to be stopping exercise so sometimes in these populations it might be more useful to do this type of training this more interval you know high intensity moderate intensity interval training and it's been studied pretty um extensively in in these type of groups to be beneficial yeah so essentially what you're saying there is that because they can't deliver oxygen very well because their heart's failing them essentially, the oxygen doesn't get distributed well and the, ox- the aerobic system that we use mostly isn't able to kick in so they rely on their anaerobic systems. That's why they get that, that burn. Yeah, 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 because that peripheral, the, I guess the peripheral demand for, um, for energy to complete the task is unable to be met by their cardiovascular system. So, they're having to go into their like, intracellular um, systems of producing energy 
through that glycolysis, which is the, the way that they have to do it, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, that's why the exercise tolerance is, is quite low. Yep. So you mentioned that's for people with like heart failure, the interstitial lung problems. Are there any others that you notice that this is super prevalent in? They were the two biggest, like, like I, one of those gave me a, a five in my, uh, I think a five is the best you get in your APP, isn't it? In your, um, medical no, placement? Ah, uh, four maybe. Four? I can't remember. Yeah. There was some, I picked up some guy, I was like, oh, I reckon that guy's got like some really bad heart failure because like he was just doing exercise. I was like, it just feels to me, seems to me he was just responding like he was doing 400 hurdles and we were just walking down a, walking down a corridor and so, I changed his programming to being interval style programming and lo and behold, he had one of the lowest ejection fractions I'd ever seen when I actually finally got his paperwork. It was, I can't remember, it was shocking. I think it was like in the, like below 20, something like that. Yeah, right. So ejection fraction is just the amount of blood that gets pumped out of the left ventricle with every beat, yep. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Cool. So if he's not been able to pump any blood out, he's not getting air in yeah. the blood anywhere. So he's, 20%. It was something shocking, yeah. 20% of normal. That's, yes. So it was almost just like his, um, like walking around was too high. Like I remember the, during a six minute walk test or something and he was sitting down like every 10 meters, just like Four. almost screaming that his legs were burning. And I was just like, I reckon this guy's got something not too good going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, good pick up. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. So good, good example of when you need to know your energy systems. That's right, exactly. To cool. get your fives or sixes or whatever. <laughs> to get your sevens, HDs yeah. all the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can probably summarize them all a little bit at the end, but before we do, maybe touch on the third system. Yep. The uh, alactic. So beforehand in the, um, in the anaerobic glycolysis, we had like lactic system, which we just discussed. So alactic just means that, um, lactic Lactate, hydrogen ions aren't the byproduct here. Um, this happens even quicker again and produces, I guess, the most, most inefficient but quickest, um, energy. So really it's just intracellular, um, ATP and creatine phosphate that's, that's kind of sitting around there. And basically when you're asking your, most of your fast switch muscles to do high explosive work, like sprint, jump, lift something really heavy, any effort to the lasting kind of, you know, 10, 5 to 15 seconds, this is mostly where your energy is going to be coming from. And again, it has, we can use these systems and train these systems in a capacity and in a power format. So if we're doing power, you know, we might do be doing repeated, you know, 30 meter sprints with like two minutes rest, three minutes rest, something like that, because you want your aerobic energy system to have fully replenished um you so you don't actually store lots of atp or creatine phosphate um in your cells at any one time because they're really big molecules um they weigh a lot so they can't kind of just be in and hanging around in your cells so um but what happens you use them very quickly and then your body kind of goes and replenishes them back into the cells that they you know, have been utilized from is the, the very 10,000 foot view of it without going into all of our um, biochemistry and whatnot. So, yep. um, yeah, so that's the first way to use it in capacity is that you, 
kind of use it and then you wait for it all to fully um oh sorry power you wait for it all to fully get replenished which is you know one is the six kind of workers to rest at a minimum one is the 10 you know two minutes three minutes something like that to rest in between whereas if we're doing capacity work you might be you know do a 10 second effort but have you know 30 40 seconds off so you're only partially replenishing those um cells but then you're going to have to go again so the idea there is the adaptation is hopefully you're becoming more efficient at being able to replenish those um, kind of uh, molecules back into the cell. Cool. And that's the aerobic system that replenishes everything. Yeah. 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 So that probably explains why powerlifters will do one lift and then go sit down for five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But that, that also explains why a fitter powerlifter goes and does that one lift and then can sit down for two minutes and do it yep cool because uh powerlifters get a lot of flack for sitting around not doing much or he just did one rep and then he went and sat down it's like well yeah it's being smart yeah 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 that's right and the energetic demands of that one rep is probably a lot <laughs> yeah for sure if it's like a one rm or like a rp8 or something like yeah it's going to be tough and then you get so people bag powerlifters out for doing that and then they think they're a champ when they go and just flog themselves in like a hit session as hard as they can, no rest every day of the week. And they don't, mm-hmm. they wonder why they don't get any fitter. Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. Well, I mean, as, as we're kind of just talking about there, most of the time, everything we've talked about for with our stress recovery adaptation cycles and anything, our energy systems themselves can usually be pretty well if we have a look at the substrate that kind of creates it, so the aerobic energy system, as I said, really that's only limited by the ability for your muscles to use it again and have the energy available in, in fat mostly, and then if it needs to go into glucose to trans, translocate, I can't remember what that big word is, but turn it back into into the fats and um, whatnot that it needs to actually create the energy. But when we go into our glucose, um, kind of more uh, sorry, anaerobic glycolysis, well then we need enough time to replenish glucose into our cells so, um, and into our liver. So usually we have good stores there, but I mean we do need to, as far as stress recovery adaptation cycle goes, it's really again limited by our ability to replenish those um, substrates in the blood and in the liver, but then also again the because it is a higher intensity exercise, usually it's demanding more from the musculoskeletal system, so it will require more rest in between uh, bouts, so a lower frequency per week of anaerobic glycolysis um, training because of the fact that, yeah, higher intensity, um, needing you know, to replenish glucose, which can take a little bit longer, um, and also being higher intensity is going to work your muscles more and then if we go right down in that anaerobic glycolysis into the um, alactic work well then that there is going to I guess usually be the highest intensity work, the highest demanding on our musculoskeletal um, system and is usually going to be the one that requires the least frequency per week of, of training so if you're looking at aerobic you could kind of realistically do Every day-ish, um, you know, anaerobic glycolysis as far as you're going kind of the, um, 
lactic work. You could probably do kind of day on, day off type work uh, in between and then like your ATP, um, PC kind of work. So your alactic work, you're probably looking at, you know, a couple of times a week. That's it's your resistance training or the amount of times that you would sprint a week kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So you, yeah, you, you don't want to be flogging yourself all the time and it's okay to work at easier levels. Yes, definitely. You need to kind of intersperse it. So it's, as we're talking about with that whole stress recovery adaptation thing, we're more, it's more the body, the musculoskeletal system, which is going to be the limiter rather than energy system. But, um, we need to utilize our knowledge of what training we can do when in these energy systems to be able to, I guess, best, uh, best improve their capacities and their powers. Yep. Cool. Which is obviously important for performance. Yep. Those, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. Is there anything else like more specific you wanted to talk about in terms of like programming for each of the systems or like talking about sets and reps and things like that? Or do you think that's a pretty good overview? I think I, I think if we go into, I, I'll share out my article that I did on return to running for physio network stuff. But I think if we look at anything, you know, that as I said was below that aerobic threshold, that there is like a, our recovery runs and that there can be the stuff that we can use on our off days and usually, you know, 30 minutes recovery runs or even walks. I'm a huge fan of putting in walks for 30 minutes, um, in people's training program where they're going at kind of an intensity that they're using the talk test where they go, eh, you know, you can talk, but you can't, you, you could talk in decent sentence, but you couldn't sing. Um, something like that is going to be pretty easy to recover from. You could do that most days of the week um, for kind of 30 minutes at a time and that's going to help build a really good en- uh, engine. Then we're looking at, you know, our MAS, like our maximal aerobic speed, which usually works in with our VO2, um, VO2 max. Well, that works there usually about 10 minutes at a time if we're looking at like going, okay, how long can we do this training block for? So usually those blocks last for about 10 minutes because they're pretty energetically demanding. Like you're either doing aerobic power work or you're doing anaerobic, um, glycolysis, like, uh, capacity. So a lac- uh, lactic capacity work. So that type of work does kind of demand a lot of the body and demand a lot of the energy system. So usually you can't do it for much more than 10 minutes and usually you're looking at, you're probably getting, you know, one, one to three kilometers of work in, in that and your work for rest periods are going to be somewhere between, depending on, um, if you're doing how much over 100% of your MAS that you're working, it's going to be somewhere between a one is to one work to rest to something like a one is to three work to rest kind of thing. Um, and then if we're going more into that kind of anaerobic, um, glycolysis, like ATP, PC, then that's working more of our, like, a hundred, like, you're really over your anaerobic speed reserve there. Um, and you're going to be doing stuff that's more like, you know, less than 500 meters in a session. And you're going to be doing, you know, one is to three is a minimum kind of work to rest. And one is to six to 10 is more likely going to be your, your work to rest there and that's going to be you know mostly sprint or high speed running kind of training there yep cool 
that that help give some volumes and some intensities and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that'd be good to refer back to. Um, yeah, it gives you essentially how long each system works for, uh, how to kind of target that system, what kind of volume, what kind of intensity you should be aiming for, how long you should rest in between sets. Yeah, I think that's probably all you really need to know to be able to do a pretty decent program. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, all good, mate. Good. So, I think probably a little bit of a summary here would be just going back through the three things we did. So, the first one was your aerobic system. It uses air, so it uses oxygen as your as your fuel, essentially, um, to get around the body and make your ATP. Uh, the byproducts of that, you you get heat. We didn't mention this before, but you get heat. Yep, that's true. You get your water, so that's where we sweat it out. Um, yep. You feel hot when you're in your aerobic system. You sweat. You make CO2, which we breathe out, so you puff a lot to get one, get mm-hmm. air in, but two, also get your air out. So that's your, your aerobic system. Your anaerobic system is built into two parts, your, your lactic and your alactic. Your lactic using glycogen or like essentially sugar stored in your muscles, uh, breaks that down, makes a lot of energy. You get the byproduct of like your pyruvate and your hydrogen ions. So that's your like your muscle burn and mm-hmm. your lactic acid in quotation marks that gets picked mm-hmm. up later on by the aerobic system that can be used for energy later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got your ATP PC system, which is just uses energy that's stored in the cell at the time, uses it really quickly. Um, and then essentially you need to stop that work for a long time for the aerobic system to replenish it. So, yeah. That's exactly right, mate. Cool. So, if you had to prioritize building, like, if you had to build an athlete, what would you pick first? I'd want a really big engine, so building a really nice big aerobic base um, to be able to then build everything else from. Yep. So, that would be my build a, build a really big engine and then... From there, all the other things kind of happen a little bit quicker and easier. Yep. That's cool. our recovery resource, basically, is our building our aerobic energy system. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, you hear this term used in research a little bit, buffering. Yep. How would, uh, yeah, what is it? People are going to come across it. Um, essentially, that's your just aerobic system kicking in to help get rid of byproduct, isn't it? Yeah, or like, I mean, obviously they have like supplements and everything that can do that as well. So bicarbonate and things like that. So basically the idea behind buffering is that we're trying to get, um, that, I guess the microcellular environment around that muscle has become, um, I guess acidic. And what we're wanting to do is kind of buffer that by, you know, those hydrogen ions make things acidic in there. So we're trying to buffer it through products say like bicarbonate etc which are basic that um or through respiration which can also blow off co2 which co2 is acidic and that then helps buffer things out like that so that's what we're uh usually meaning by buffering to try to bring the um the cellular environment back down to a normal uh ph level excellent cool, cool. nothing else awesome, to cover mate. no i'm all good Sweet. Well, uh, we'll get this show back on the road and uh, we'll get this out pretty soon. Sounds good. Thanks, cool. mate. 
Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RPE Podcast. We hope you enjoyed grinding out another RPE 10 show with us. If you like our content, please leave us a like or a rating as it helps drive traffic to our work. We have left links to all of the resources mentioned in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below, or if you would like to get in contact with us, we will leave our email addresses in the description as well. See you next time on the RPE Podcast.